Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Fran Coombs is the managing director, editor of Rasmussen Polling in the United States, and Fran has been just terrific giving us uh, off his weekends for, well, it's been over a year now as we wound our way through the primaries, the more exciting of the of the of the two was the GOP, of course, although it did get kind of exciting with uh, Senator Sanders and not so much Hillary Clinton, but it did get exciting with Senator Sanders. And then, of course, on Monday, there was the first of the three presidential nominees debates, the POTUS debates, with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And Fran Coombs is back with us from Rasmussen Polling in the United States. Fran, thank you for the time. And uh, here we are. It's Saturday. The debate took place Monday night. What are, how are Americans reacting? What does the polling suggest the impact of that particular debate might have been? Well, it looks, I mean, if you had to pick a winner, I'd say you'd have to say Hillary Clinton won the debate, although, you know, it's a marginal thing. But the race has tightened back up. Trump seemed to have some momentum, Roy. Uh, as you know, he was up five points a week ago, and now we're finding that basically it's a one-point race. Clinton's up by one. So they're still, you know, right around that 40% mark, starting to move up a little bit. Uh, we'll see. So I'd say the first debate, give that one to Clinton. Trump could have done better. When you say Trump could have done better, there were opportunities that he had that I just couldn't understand that he that he that he missed. When Hillary Clinton said, "By the end of the night, I'm going to be blamed for everything," I thought, "Here you can go. You can just ignore the the moderator, and you can give a short list of four or five, three or four items, and say, Madam Secretary, how about I won't blame you for everything, but here's a short list I'd like you to respond to, and then maybe talk about the foundation, the emails." Um, and, and, you know, three or four other things or two or three other things along the line and introduce that, but he didn't do it. He didn't seem to recognize opportunity. Right. Well, I think uh, my sense is that his uh, coaches must have told him basically to sit on it a little bit, too, uh, that he was probably trying to uh, not intimidate women voters, you know, that kind of thing, not try to come across as too strong, too off the wall. Um, I mean, there was another great opportunity when the moderator asked her about cybersecurity, uh, when, when that question came up, I thought, wow, Trump's going to, you know, he's going to knock this one over the fences because he's going to go, what about the security on your uh, private email server, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, yeah, no, he, I think he missed several good opportunities to, to really hammer her, and my sense is he didn't want to hammer her at all. He had been told, go easy. Uh, on the other side of the uh, the ledger, or the other side of the coin, she did, I thought, better than I expected she would do. I thought she'd be... Uh, concerned about what might come her way. Um, maybe she was confident of Lester Holt. Maybe she was confident that Trump couldn't lay a glove on her, but I thought she did better than I expected. Well, she, I mean, remember, this is a person who's been in public life now for 30-some years. Uh, so it, she's no stranger to the uh, to this kind of situation. Uh, and she's always been uh, very wonkish. I mean, she's good at pulling up uh, facts, figures, names, dates, that kind of stuff, unless, of course, she conveniently forgets them. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was no surprise to me, her performance. I mean, she performed similarly against Sanders in the Democratic primary debates. Uh, she's, you know, she's a professional. I was reading uh, USA Today, um, Fran, and their editorial boards, they've never taken a sides in a presidential race. And then they wrote... Uh, this year, the choice isn't between two capable major party nominees who happen to have significant ideological differences. This year, one of the candidates, Republican nominee Donald Trump, is by unanimous consent of the editorial board 
unfit for the presidency. From the day he declared his candidacy 15 months ago through this week's first presidential debate, Trump has demonstrated repeatedly that he lacks the temperament, knowledge, steadiness, and honesty that America needs from its president. So there you have USA Today. How significant is an editorial board opinion from a publication like USA Today, and how significant is media opinion to the American voter post-debate number one? Well, I would say probably less than zero. I mean, the, the media is, uh, they're basically down there with lawyers and politicians when it comes to people that the public trust. And we did a survey on Friday asking people, uh, asking voters, do you trust media fact checkers? 62% of likely voters, so that means Democrats, Republicans, unaffiliated. 62% of all likely voters said, no, we don't trust it. They skew the facts to benefit the candidate they like. Uh, surveys we've done, been doing all year, has shown that they that well, in fact going back to the last three or four presidential campaigns, uh, the media everybody thinks the media skews to the Democrats. Uh, people don't trust the media; they think they're biased. And of course, obviously, this campaign they've been more biased than anybody's ever seen. Uh, so, you know, I think they hurt they hurt themselves. And so, the days of uh, people viewing a, an editorial in any newspaper as impartial and uh, oh, okay, this is something I should think about. I just think is is long gone. Those days are long gone. What about the female voter, the the woman in the United States? I've heard a lot said about the suburban. The woman in the suburbs is a significantly important factor in the election. I've heard this over and over again. doesn't matter what media outlet I go to. It's the woman in the suburbs is mentioned. How significantly impacted is this woman in the suburbs by what happened on Monday in that debate and then Trump going after the former Miss Universe? I I wondered about that Friday morning, yesterday morning. I saw all these tweets. I thought, what are you doing? Right, yeah. Well, that's that's the classic other Trump, the Trump going off on a tangent. Um, Women in the suburbs, yes, definitely definitely a critical vote. Uh, As as I've said on this show repeatedly, uh, we were going to hear a lot as we got down to the closing weeks. We were going to hear the words sexism and racism out of Hillary Clinton's mouth about every other five seconds. Uh, Obviously, that was what the debate, I mean, she was just hammering Trump on that. And again, thought he answered both both of those uh, attacks very poorly. Uh, but yeah, she's she's got to motivate black voters. She's got to motivate women voters, particularly younger women voters. Uh, and so far, she hasn't been doing a very good job at that. Let me take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll continue uh, with Fran Coombs, managing editor of Rasmussen Polling in the United States. And what now is with about forty days to go until the election? Is it a case of maintain for Hillary Clinton, and uh, Donald Trump has to gain significant ground when 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 it's very close? And I'll ask Fran about this, but when it's very close, with a very short period of time between today and the actual election date of November the 8th, uh, two or three points, I would think, even though it's within the margin of error for most polling, two or three points difference, I would think, would be significant at this particular juncture. I've never seen anything like this. Voters haven't seen anything like this. What does Hillary Clinton have to do? What does Donald Trump have to do in order to emerge victorious on November the 8th, and I, we have to assume that everyone's going to be pulling out all the stops now going forward day by day by day. Oh, exactly right. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of punching, more and more punching. As a friend of mine said in an email to me this morning, no, no morning in America ads in this campaign. Uh, you're going to see uh, Hillary Clinton, as I said, is going to be screaming sexism and racism at the top of her lungs every chance she gets. 
to try to mobilize those voters. Trump is just going to be pounding away at her, uh, you know, liar, crooked, Clinton Foundation, Clinton emails, can't be trusted, Benghazi, I mean, you know, over and over and over again. Uh, we know Trump's a quick learner, so I think he will do much better at the second and third debates than he did at the first one. Uh, and I think Clinton's going to try to appear kind of above it and serious and earnest, but meanwhile, at the same time, she's going to be looking the camera right in the eye and saying racism and sexism. And and you have two candidates, Americans, we're told, repeatedly, are not particularly fond of in any event. Yeah, well, there's, there's no doubt that both these candidates have high unfavorables, but as we get down to Election Day, uh, as I said, again, as I've said on your show many times, for Republicans... When they walk in the booth, it could be it could be your dinner table running against Hillary Clinton, and they would vote for the dinner table. I mean, Republicans, conservative Americans, can't stand Hillary Clinton. Uh, they've been suspicious of her for since the early 90s, and there's there's been nothing that has changed over those years uh, to change that at all. They they're very skeptical of her performance. Uh, they're very skeptical of. I mean, you know, she. I mean, you heard it. She wants to increase taxes. She wants to increase spending. Um, those are those are anathema to conservatives. So a lot of Republicans, no matter what they say, when they get in the booth, they're going to vote for Donald Trump. Well, I found it disturbing when Hillary Clinton uh, essentially labeled everyone racist, certainly labeled police officers across the United States racist. And uh, I really found that I found that trouble troubling. And even though she was winning the debate, Fran, I, I just remember each time I turn on the microphone and each time I ask my callers about why do, why do you care about Donald Trump? Why do you like Donald Trump? You're in Canada. He's, he's American. It's going to be America first. Make America great again. He's not running for Canada. His focus is in Canada. There is such a pushback to conventional politics. There's such a pushback to just the conventional approach. And we saw it in Brexit. The moment that Barack Obama told Brits not to uh, vote Brexit, I knew it was over. Because right. no, well, nobody, then, nobody's you know, going to listen. I, I'm sorry, but I just have this, it's just a, a constant repetition of we are fed up with the status quo. Donald Trump provides the alternative. We may not like Trump, but he provides the alternative. So that's where we're going. That's what I hear again and again and again. Sure. And I think Canadians like Americans are increasingly getting sick of political correctness. Uh, you, you, you find that you can't say anything. It just gets sillier and sillier and sillier. Uh, comments that people routinely made, uh, you know, when I was growing up and, and in my, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, now you wouldn't dare say them. You might, you, you know, you're liable to get fired or prosecuted or something. I mean, they, they, um, the vast majority of Americans tell us in surveys that they don't believe they have freedom of speech anymore. So Trump and is seen as so, Trump. Trump is seen as the antidote then to right. political correctness. Right. Trump is saying what is increasingly becoming the unsayable, and we never thought we'd see that time in our country where some things, more and more things, are becoming unsayable. Is there one thing that either one of them could do or something that might happen? Uh, and I'm not specifically pointing at anything. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Hillary Clinton's health. There was a lot of talk about uh, Donald Trump sniffling on Monday night. Um, you know, is there, is there something that one of them can do that would absolutely torpedo their chances at this point? You know, I don't think so, to be honest with you. I mean, after all, this is a woman who basically, you know, missed an indictment, being, you know, recommended for an indictment by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and many people question that. 
Uh, as I've told you, I mean, in our surveying, at least half of likely voters think she's a liar. Uh, so what could she do at this point? I mean, even if they saw videotape of her taking money from a Chinese businessman, I don't know that anybody would be surprised. Uh, Trump, the same way. I mean, what could Trump say that would surprise anybody at this point? Uh, I think what Trump needs to do is, is see, be forceful, be a leader, but totally avoid these things like going off on the former Miss Universe. I mean, that's, that stuff's just ridiculous. And he's got to, you know, I, I thought he had, had finally stopped doing that. I mean, let his surrogates hash that stuff out. Uh, he needs to focus on the big issues, and he needs to focus on her. He has the winning issues. Americans agree with many of the things he says, and he should be talking about. He should be talking about the economy. He should talk about cutting taxes. He should be talking about cutting regulation. He should be talking about no more uh, refugees from the Middle East until we get a better vetting process. He, those are all winning issues with American voters, uh, and Hillary Clinton basically doesn't. I don't believe that she has winning issues as far as voters are concerned, so she benefits from keeping uh, the focus on the circus uh, and basically charges so that Trump is constantly responding that, you know, no, I'm not a sexist, no, I'm not a racist, that kind of thing. Yeah, he can't afford to do that. He can't afford to spend minutes uh, during a debate responding to something she leads him into. Now, right, how, how right. Sig- he cannot. How significant is the vice presidential debate, Fran? Again, I mean, I hate to be cynical about it, but I would say not at all. Who cares, right? Uh, you know, these are two cap- very capable men. Uh, I'm sure they'll do an excellent job. Uh, they are, yes, a heartbeat away from the presidency, but historically we find that voters don't really care about the vice presidential debates at all. How much of a, and we have about a minute left, how significant over the days to come and the few weeks that are left will be the monitoring of Hillary Clinton's health? People will be watching that very closely. That was that was probably the biggest hurdle for her to clear Monday night, Roy, was to show people that she was alive, alert, her eyes weren't at half mast, uh, and she did you know she did a fine job. But yeah, people, if she has a debate performance where she appears to be tired or a little out of it or whatever, or has another falling incident or something like that, that's that's not good. That's not good because as we've discussed, uh, perception is reality in politics. Fran, as always, thank you so much. As we get closer to November the 8th, we'll keep on annoying you. But uh, but thanks so much for your time, always. I, I love the interest, Roy. All the best. Take care. There's uh, Fran Coombs. He's the managing director of Rasmussen Reports, one of the uh, largest polling firms in the United States. That camp- These campaigns just go on forever and ever and ever. Uh, does anybody remember what the number one New story was on the day that Donald Trump declared his interest in being president of the United States? I know. You have to look it up.